welcome to the Byte Rabbit podcast, where we talk about WebXR, that's VR and AR on the web. My name is Jonathan, one of the founders of Byte Rabbit. Hi, my name is Florian, I'm the other founder of Byte Rabbit and a WebXR game developer. And my name is Darius, intern and WebXR developer at Byte Rabbit. Welcome to the White Rabbit Podcast. My name is Darius and today we will talk about the potential of WebXR. So Jonathan, what I'm interested in as a developer is the potential complexity in games. So obviously it will be quite hard to make open world games or something like that. Or what's the problem with the models? How much can I put in a game that's so generally WebXR in comparison to like native uh, XR is obviously limited in quotation marks uh, by the web. Uh, new web developments or like developments in the web as WebAssembly, for example, and WebGPU later should actually help getting web to a near native kind of standard in terms of performance. And since the web is used to downloading certain chunks like, for example, if you go to a web page, usually you don't download the entire web page by the first visit, but download every page as you go. So I can imagine that, uh, like with usually MMORPGs and so on, open world games could even work on a basis where you only download, for example, the city you're currently in, plus maybe a very, very rough level of detail of uh, surrounding environment that you can like look far off to. And I think in terms of performance, uh, the web will eventually catch up to a near native. Uh, WebAssembly's goal supposedly is to be basically parity performance with native, which uh, is pretty, pretty impressive if that would work out eventually. Yeah, I think, I think then the question becomes rather about how do you stream the assets and how do you load those assets instead of just only about performance, right? So it becomes about... Yeah. How do you get mocap data, animations, like, I don't know, 10 gigabytes of scene data loaded on a device? Maybe we'll see increased download speeds counteract that um, that weakness of web games. So that yeah. might be... Maybe maybe that's a final use, finally a use case for yeah, 5G. Maybe. WebXR and 5G for that's, the win. That's what HTC <laughs> is in, investing time and money in, I think, is they want to make an ecosystem working with 5G and VR so that they can deliver content really fast. Oh, wow. I didn't actually know that. They have like a Netflix, a similar to Netflix, uh, subscription-based system where they, cool. no, that's pretty cool. uh, you can download any game for X amount of money a month. And okay. I had seen a talk in Berlin. They were talking about that ecosystem. That's pretty nice. They should do that on top of WebXR. That would allow them to target all of the platforms thanks to the uh, like portability. Yeah. That would be kind of smart. They are targeting native platforms first, but I think doing it with WebXR is the perfect thing. So yeah, really looking forward to that. I just found out today that there's some report uh, by Usenix ATC19 uh, 2019, which kind of is analyzing the performance of WebAssembly versus native code. And in their abstract, they basically mention that WebAssembly is targeting native code speed. So with that, I think um, it would be pretty cool to target native eventually, right? And then it's only a matter of downloads. Hmm. Yeah. But supposedly at the moment, uh, WebAssembly is like two times slower 
than uh, native performance, mm. which is already pretty good, I think. Also, um, what you can do with web technologies is definitely export native apps. Yeah, right. With like Exocit or something, you could then uh, make your web app uh, actual native app. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's even a possibility. So in terms of talking about the tools of web development, you can even use those for uh, native development. So you could export your web app as a native app until it is possible to be used as a web app, you know. Things like that are possible mm -hmm. if you're making a game like an MMO that has a very loyal user base that doesn't mind any installations, any any problematics with native installations or whatnot. So mm -hmm. you could do all those kinds of stuff. Well, but that requires an engine that is able to export for web uh, properly. Yeah, 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 exactly. But we talked about engines before. What I'm also interested in is what would be the dependencies, though, of doing something like that, of features of for making apps that are reliable in the future for to compare with native apps. So, for example, we have when we make a native app, we have a lot of libraries that we download and stuff, and those are usually packaged with the executable and delivered to the system. But when we're making something for the web, change stuff change a lot. JavaScript um, standards change, browser functionalities change, and we don't have this stability that we have with native applications. I'm not saying like Windows applications, they mm -hmm. do get like unusable after certain Windows version because DLLs get, uh, aren't usable anymore and stuff like that. Putting that aside, how would we make that possible for WebXR content? <laughs> So that's a pretty, pretty big question. Um, so I'll t try tackling parts of it uh, once, okay. one by one. Um, DLLs usually only get um, incompatible with the new Vin Windows version platforms if the um, system changes. So if the DLLs use certain um, uh, system or OS functionality, so-called system calls and so on, then um, you might get the problem that these system calls change over time and that's why your DLL or your executable is no longer supported in a new system. Um, usually though Windows has been pretty good at like preserving the compatibility. Um, so I, I don't think generally Navitif has any problem there. Um, also uh, on the web, usually it's supposed to be ultra stable, right? Because you don't want browsers all of a sudden not being able to uh, view web pages that were created in 1994. So generally, the idea is that and that's the idea of uh, a um, standard, a web standard. The W3C, I think, is um, uh, responsible for maintaining this standard, uh, basically a feature set that needs to be supported by all of the browsers. Um, and this guarantees basically that all features over time stay the same and stay supported, right? Just because HTML5 is out, it doesn't mean that HTML4 websites are not supported anymore. There are rare occasions where it is required that certain features uh, get deprecated and are no longer supported. Most of them were experimental in the first place, like WebVR never got standardized and never had this status of being something ultra stable. It was always an experiment. Um, but um, if something is standardized, then usually only security issues cause it to disappear or get deprecated in some way. 
like like in Flash, case of Flash. Uh, well, Flash was a, was never a standard. Flash was a plugin that you had to install to the browser that made it like super flexible. Yeah, but, and... but you were talking about security reasons, so I thought something like Flash fits well in the description of piece of software being deprecated due to security reasons of using old runtimes can't be refreshed to uh, security protocols that we have today, right? Yeah, well. I think it's more like things, for example, imagine you have like an iframe or something and that iframe allows you to view any website and now you can basically mimic every website by just creating a website that has this iframe and shows a different website. If that were possible in some old specification of the web, old standard in the web, then this iframe would need to be changed so that things like this mm. aren't possible, right? to make it a little harder for hackers and so on to fish websites, whatever, like, yeah, whatever, something like that, I guess, would be an example of that. So uh, generally, the web should be very stable. You have the issue that older browsers obviously don't keep up to date. And if you want to still support older browsers, then you need to, for example, for Internet Explorer, put in stupid workarounds just for this specific browser. And then you have some kind of like platform dependent coding <laughs> where for one in quotes operating system, as in Firefox, you need to do something else than for the other operating system in quotes. Chrome, for example, or Internet Explorer. But generally, as uh, mentioned, the web is a very, very platform independent and very nice platform to work for exactly because it should be very stable and it should be the same everywhere. Although in reality, it might not be. Yeah, the freedom it allows is way better compared to native programming where you're really bound to either an engine or a operating system or certain programming languages that come with these with the either with the engine or the operating system you're working with and working on javascript obviously is not a must you can still use typescript you can use other languages that compile into javascript and a lot of stuff has been developed yeah or or even webassembly webassembly or is even that yeah a standard, I think, already. So basically, all browsers are supposed to support WebAssembly, which means you can use any language that compiles C++, Rust, uh, what, whatever. All, all languages that somehow have a WebAssembly target to compile to, you can now deploy your application uh, on a website, right? And that with near-native speed. So it's crazy how um, now all of these browsers basically have a layer between the operating system and your application. You never having to deploy a different application code for any uh, platform anymore, as long as it supports a web browser. Exactly. At least that's the idea. With OpenGL, it's similar. You have graphics programming on all the websites. Uh, one big issue there is, though, that iOS, for example, only supports WebGL 1.0 and I think refuses to uh, support WebGL 2.0. So on Safari, you'll never have the power that WebGL 2.0 gives you, which is a shame because WebGL 2.0 really brings a lot of nice features that uh, help you improve your performance. Yeah, but also uh, that kind of limits the backwards compatibility of applications, doesn't it? Uh, in which way? So if you make a WebGL2 application that doesn't have fallback uh, shaders, for example, 
Yes, exactly. Then you don't you don't have the option to support Safari browsers. Yeah, that's, yes. that's then a difficulty for um, maybe future proofing things. I think a lot of browser creators will move with the times when they are forced to. When applications come out that people use a lot, the yeah. users will demand their browsers to use them more. Yeah, I guess web GPU might support uh, might be supported by Apple eventually because they are closer to what Vulkan does on native, right? Or Metal does. So with Metal being supported on Apple or that being the API that you use on Apple, they might be uh, less reluctant to support that API because it's way closer to what they already have on native. So it might be way easier to support on their platform as well. So I'm kind of hoping that WebGPU will eventually be supported by them. But I think um, WebGPU as the next graphics standard on the web has quite a way to go, if I understand correctly. It might be like another one to even three years or so before we see something there. Okay, excited to see hear about that. I haven't heard that much about WebGPU, to be honest. Sounds interesting. All right, we're at a pretty long, at a pretty long conversation here. Uh, I think we should end here, you guys. All right, see you guys next time.